when it's I 2023. Say, yeah. It's not, if it was 1995, then you have to put, okay, you can find it at HTTP backslash backslash colon www.ivl.angelfire.com. Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music episode 170, the HMS Antelope episode. Very special episode this week because we have the very talented and personable Ivy Eld. Ivy Eld is a Nashville area musician and songwriter. She's also a mental health professional for over a decade and a half. She has a self-titled EP out now. That's uh, self-titled means it's also called Ivy Eld. Uh, in case you didn't know that. Not everybody knows that. Ivy considers her music to be another facet of how she shows up in the world in authentic and passionate service, both as a musician and as a therapist. And I can tell you, uh, I, I mentioned that part out of her bio because that really comes through in the discussion that you're about to hear. You can find all her music at ivyeld.com. And I don't usually mention upcoming shows in the podcast because I want it to be, you know, uh, evergreen. And I don't want people to listen to this in uh, 2045 and be confused. But on August 15th, 2023, only 2023, Ivy has her album release show at the Gray Eagle in Asheville, North Carolina. So make sure to check the show notes uh, for that. And now here is Ivy Eld.
This is kind of my theme song, I feel like, just for, for life in general. And as a therapist for 15 years, I have had the privilege of working with a lot of people, um, navigating a lot of trauma with a lot of people. And the first 10 years of my, my life um, or my career as a psychotherapist was working with combat veterans. And I still have some that I see. And and I've learned so much from them. They have been some of my greatest teachers by far. And um, there, there was a wonderful uh, Vietnam veteran who followed the Lakota, Lakota traditions, and was one of the ways one of the ways that he would really say he navigated his own trauma was through Lakota spirituality and learning from these Lakota teachers. Um, but also, he was an artist, an artist and a creator, and. Um, so there's this phrase that will forever be stuck in my in my head from him that becoming a maker saved my life. And that's what um, he got back from Vietnam and horrific trauma that he experienced there and so much loss from his unit. Most of his platoon was killed. And oh, wow. and he's pretty public with this story. Mm -hmm. So this is not anything I'm sharing that he wouldn't um, approve of. But just it, it's that stuck with me and and has become something that's been a part of my own process as a psychotherapist to just see the power of art and creativity. And, um, I wrote this song, I, I was experiencing some grief, but didn't realize that I wrote this song really for future me. It was mm -hmm. one of those kind of prophetic songs that I wrote. And, um, my brother 
was a big part of my life and a big reason I became a psychotherapist, uh, suffered from schizophrenia and um, just battled cancer for many, many years and passed away in 2021. Um, and so just a little over a year ago, but I could not sit down and play that song without just sobbing. <laughs> like oh, it yeah. was, it was medicine. It was, it was a song that I wrote for myself really for medicine, but the song is, is also something that I just believe so passionately and just kind of sums up the, the, um, the power of creating. And if you listen to kind of, I guess you call it like the second chorus, it's, um, you know, keep creating, keep on making in the way that only you do. It is what will save us. Um, you know, in the only, in the way that only we do, it is what will save us as we face the darkest blue. Everyone has art inside them, including you, Ron. I want to see your name. You. Thank you. Oh, that's all right. It's not a secret. It's just. Keep leaving the tree. Yeah, yeah. It's not a secret. It's just not something I say a lot. Yes. Yeah. Everyone has art inside them and how we see and walk the world, create beauty, offer love. This is how we alchemize the blue. And so I really truly believe that especially there's just so much grief in this world. And I've experienced that personally, but hold, held a lot of space for some amazing people that have been through a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of awful, awful things. I had to edit myself because mm. there's, there's more, um, potent words to, to describe some of the things that they've been through. But I, I truly just believe that music, um, but any creation, any, any way that we're creating is so generative. And I just feel like it's the only way we can really survive this crazy world we live in. Yeah. Um, so it's, so that's the song that's magic in the blue. And awesome. yeah. you were talking about, um, you were talking about how, you know, emotional you get with singing the song. Um, yes. Do you have songs, and this might be one of them, uh, but songs that you've written or just from other people that you um, you sing or listen to to sort of approach an emotion to or invoke an emotion in yourself? Um, mm -hmm. Like if you like, you might not be feeling sad, but you're like, I, I kind of like to feel sad a little bit, you know. I feel like like delving into that. So I'm gonna listen to this song, yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, absolutely. And are you looking for specifics or just kind of wondering? Oh, well, I was wondering, but also if you have a specific one, that would be good. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's, there's just so many, I feel like there's, there's certain songs that honestly, for me, it's, it's the, it's the sound of the cello. Um, yeah. and my, my son actually is nine year old, nine years old and just started playing. And right now he's in the squawky, squawky phase. So it's not, uh -huh. when he plays it's not eliciting that but like that that's kind of how he ended up choosing that instrument is he would he would tune in and hear a cello and I have the same response it's like there's something that deep melancholy sound of the cello is just so evocative and I think I'm not alone in that um right. it's, it's such a powerful sound so I think that's what comes to mind in this moment but there's so many specific songs I could probably go through a name if I thought about it um, but absolutely that can help access. I really believe music helps access certain parts of who we are. Sometimes that are more buried, like the sadness, we might be going to the grocery store and have to present ourselves in a certain way or be in a business meeting or whatever it might be. And the sadness gets kind of tucked back in there. And I think music is just such a powerful way to just target these parts that are, that are so, um, so deeply buried and might not get as much airtime as others. Do you have anyone that you, um, is like a uh, sounding board for your like works in progress. Uh, if you're working on something, you have someone that you consistently send that stuff to. 
I mean, because I would do it if there is nobody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, I. It varies. It's I've um, my best friend is wonderful. I send a lot of stuff to her, and she kind of will um, bounce ideas back. Um, you know, it's changed over the years because I was so private for so long. I wouldn't mm. share with anyone until a song was done. And I know I'm not alone in that. I think there's a lot of singer songwriters that, um, that kind of struggle with that, that vice of perfectionism. So I wouldn't want to share it until it felt complete, but now at this stage of my songwriting and, um, just feeling like it notice knowing the power of collaboration and knowing how helpful it can be to put to put my music out there, but it has to be kind of at a certain place. I think I have to feel like the, I've listened to the muse. I've kind of let like spirit as it were, just to kind of have the spirit of the song to feel that before I'll necessarily collaborate. Um, but you can experience that while you're collaborating with people too. I've had that experience too. So where it's just like, you're feeling that together as you're creating something. Oh, yeah. So but it's something that kind of starts with me it's, it's like, I feel like it's more, I have more ownership in the song. Mm -hmm. um, I, I probably tend to try to complete it and then send it, send it out um, versus just like sharing little ideas. But I'm, I'm playing around with that more. I'm getting more, I think I'm getting braver and doing that a little earlier than I would have in the past. Uh, I really like this uh, EP, by the way. I don't know if I said that already, but it sounds, sounds really Thank nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sporting my, Drop of Sun. That's where I got it. Oh yeah, it was Drop of Sun um, nice. in West Asheville. They are they are wonderful, amazing folks there. For anyone looking to record, I'm actually not familiar with that. Um, that's this first. I think I've heard of that studio. Are they new or just I don't know no, studios they, like I thought I did. Yeah, they've been <laughs> around. Um, I, you know that that would be a good thing to ask Adam. Who um, Adam McDaniel is the um, he's the one that was the the mass like the master engineer um and i know that the building itself if you drive down Patton, it's beautiful it's a beautiful space and they'll give you a tour they're they're really open to anyone in the community that wants to check out their space it's just absolutely gorgeous and most studios are often kind of cave-like <laughs> they're uh -huh. very dark it's really rare to have such like to have light in a studio and it just it shifted the whole aesthetic for me. It shifted the energy. And so that they call it drop of sun because they have these beautiful, the way it was constructed, the sun beams in um, and just lands on the studio at different times of the day. It was just really, really beautiful and powerful kind of how at different times of the day recording and having the sun come in, it just lit up the whole, the whole live room. Oh, so nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. Keep chasing the dragon's head. 
guitar or piano and that particular day I just was really feeling sassy and wanted wanted to borrow a friend's electric and so I did my, my friend has a uh, 90s Gibson, uh, Gibson Les Paul um, which is apparently it's it's apparently like fashioned after the, the vintage 50s mm-hmm. I can't tell you more about it he it's his baby so it felt really special to be able to borrow um to borrow his guitar. And this song was one that just flowed out really quickly. It's one of those that it was kind of the lightning bolt um, in a matter of, I don't know, 20 minutes, the song, um, 20, 30 minutes, the song was done. And um, it's always a good cue to me that I, I'm a crier. You know, I always kind of joke that I cry as much as I pee because it's just, (laughs) (laughs) just kind of embracing. It's like, we all have tear ducts. It's there for a reason. So it's probably the therapist to me. And, it's just um, two different emotions with a similar result, yeah. I guess. Having to pee is... <laughs> do you think, as a psychologist, do you think having to pee real bad is an emotion? I mean, that's its own distinct that is feeling, really I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I ask everybody that question, by the way, not just you. So I don't you, you. It always comes up in every podcast. Right, just organically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's a good cue. That's a good cue to me, Um that the tears were kind of like a, Oh, that like I said something there, something that uh-huh. landed and it was a release and like, not as I, I said something, um, you know, hopefully it lands with other people, but it was like, oh, as I think the best art is it's for us first. It's medicine mm. for us first. Yeah. And at least for me, that's been something I've had to learn. I'm such a helper, um, which this song is about too. It's about like, being someone that is such a helper loves to be there be present for other people not inherently a bad thing um, but for me just coming from um, the background I came from from the trauma that I experienced when I was younger just learned some kind of codependent ways of walking through the world and being in relationship with people and um, got into dynamics with some people where it was really hard for me to take up space or to say no um, and obviously that song is 
is kind of a it's it's a it's my Alanis song. I, oh, I yeah. kind of just, it. yeah. <laughs> it's it. I took ironic into the studio the song ironic because it was so impactful for me when oh. I was in my twenties. Going to give away my my age there, but that that jagged little pill came out when I was um, in college, my freshman year, and I just listened to that over and over and over. And for this, you know, nice little Minnesota girl um, that just really struggled with standing up for myself, saying no and um, expressing anger, which is something that is harder, especially in our culture for women to be able to show and express. Like Alanis was one of those musicians and artists that just started to give voice to that side of who we are as human beings. And I think specifically for women, um, just that, that was such an impactful. That um, does seem, um, that seemed like a, uh, almost a cultural change, that whole album. Yes. I mean, it really, uh, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't the first I'm sure she. I'm sure that she wasn't the first to express all that, but it really caught hold and um, had an effect. It seemed like yeah. it did. It did, and I think it was probably the season of life um, developmentally that I was in as well, and just kind of figuring out who I was and and stepping into my voice in a different way. So this song is very much, um, I, as you probably noticed from some of listening to some of my songs, I love imagery and sometimes like a mythical creature like a dragon will show up or sometimes it's it's other animals in nature i just tend to get a lot of inspiration from from nature and from kind of the dreams and the things that show up and so i actually had a kind of a specific dream around um dragons and connected to my family and um so this is this is not about one particular person drawing boundaries with one particular person it's really kind of a life pattern and um but a pattern that started young and showed up in current relationships and just realizing that um, it was time to, to let go of, sometimes it was letting go of certain people. Sometimes it was just letting go of certain dynamics within relationships and standing up more for myself. So, so if someone's out there thinking, listen to this song and thinking, Oh, she's talking about me. Then they should <laughs> disabuse themselves of that. Nope. It's not about any one particular person. Right. Thank you. It's, it is, there's definitely some inspirations from certain people right. who are. You hear that, ex boyfriend? It's not you, so. <laughs> we met years ago under California clouds. Your warm smile lit up the cold gray office walls. I didn't.
um, Horizon is my requisite love song. It um, and I, the, I I sound I sound so uh, so cold <laughs> saying it like that. But there was there <laughs> yeah. was a little. They um, made me write this piece of crap, <laughs> and I. <laughs> It feels like uh, it, it's just not, I don't tend to write love songs and nothing against, I have artists that I love that write lots of beautiful love songs. That's just, I think for me that um, that's more a rarity. And mm-hmm. so this, this is, uh, but it, this song is really meaningful to me though. Um, in that most of my songs are a little bit more confessional and kind of connected to the the therapist part part of me that can't help it, like processing right. different emotions, um, but not always connected to romantic love. This song is specifically a um, song that I wrote for my husband and on our 20th anniversary. So it was like a, like right before our 20th anniversary and wrote this song. And uh, so it's, it's, it's really hard to write a love song for someone you've known and been in love with for 20 years <clears throat> and gone through the seasons with, and this was this was my humble attempt um, to do that. And so um, the the imagery really came to me around. We, we've just had we met in California, as you can tell from the song. If you hear the beginning lyrics, and that's where like we would go to Monterey and and Carmel and those areas. And we got married in Pacific Grove, um, mm-hmm. so beautiful area. That that's a beautiful area to fall in love. San Jose. Yeah. Eh, like, <laughs> Not so much. Or we go to the city. We go up to San Francisco sometimes. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. And we were working, both working in social work and um, working in a drug and alcohol rehab center for teenagers. And that's, that is how we, we met. So the cold gray office walls were, um, were there in, in San Jose. And so just this song is kind of me as much as I can in a nutshell, kind of going through, going back to California. And because beaches and the ocean and my husband grew up in San Diego and the beach is just such a like a connecting place for him I think horizon was the image that came up and I just thought what a beautiful metaphor for two very different people coming together and so you you hear that throughout the song just the contrast and um you know I'm a Leo he's a Pisces (laughs) I've got like more fire and intensity in my personality he's more chill calm you know, the walking Xanaxes of the world, the Enneagram nines, that's, the, so, um, that's him. Like, um, and, and not that I don't have my, my calm chill, um, parts too, and he doesn't have his fire, but we're just, we're, we're very different personality wise. I'm extroverted. He's introverted for the most part. Um, and yeah, and lots of other just differences, but, but like to kind of focus on where we meet that horizon is where, where we meet. And there's so much that we do have that we connect on, value wise and just who we are in the world. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's my, that was my, nice. my 20th anniversary gift Oh, nice. <laughs> or one, one of, I should say that was the, the free one that took a lot of, it was a labor of love, but. Mm-hmm. And he gave you three coupons for back rubs. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I talked to him earlier today. Um, what's something you've done that you're really proud of? Hmm. You can't say working with veterans. You already said that. I know I did. And I, I mean, the cliche thing that comes to mind, but it's, it's also really true is raising two humans. Like Mm -hmm. that's, 
like more, more than anything, more than any kind of award or um, accolades, I think raising humans in this, mm-hmm. in this world, in this wild world we live in is, um, yeah, it's just, it's the hardest, most beautiful thing I've ever done. And just being able to, to be on a journey with these, um, with my, with my kids and watch, watch these humans grow. I think I'm just, I'm pretty, pretty proud, um, of them and of just continuing to show up. Uh-huh. <laughs> good. Um, I don't know if you have kids, but it's, yeah. No, it's, I don't. Uh, I've never done anything to be proud of. (laughs) I get it. I see what you're saying. Not at all. That's just for me as a, it's just so there as a parent. It's like, like that is, it's so consuming for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Like it's, um, so, but yeah, I'm, I can think of something non cliche if you give me a minute. No, no, that's okay. (laughs) You have to think of something. There's no right or wrong. There are, there's no wrong answers. Uh, yes. There's no right answers. There's a lot of wrong answers. If you had said something like, well, uh, I was at the Capitol on January 6th. I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I was, I was like, no. that's not, that's not the right answer. Um, I w- well, and you know what? I'm really proud of myself for putting this album out in the world. Honestly, like that's I think- the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's music related. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. I, like I was, I was really, I was really proud of myself, honestly. I, and mm-hmm. I think I was kind of waiting for at, at this age, I think it's so important just to be able to say that, like, rather than waiting for whether it's parents or family members or friends or fans or whoever it might be like, just, I think that is the nice thing about at 45 putting out your first album as I feel like I know, I know myself pretty damn well at this point. Like I yeah. know, I know, um, you know, I'm continuing to grow every day, always for sure, for the rest of my life. But I feel pretty comfortable in my own in my own skin. And in when I if I was 25 putting out my first album, I think there just would be a whole lot more. Um, not that I wasn't dealing with imposter syndrome and insecurities and things like that, but it's mm-hmm. also it just feels like, um, hey, I did I did this thing while I was juggling this other business with my private practice as a therapist while raising two kids. Um, and it was hard. I had to fight for it. And I did have my own inner demons and critics coming up for sure that in the process, but, um, but I did it. So I think that was, that was a feat that it looks different at 45 than it would at 25. Oh, nice. And again, not taking away from anyone putting out their first album at 25. It's just, I think that's for me, I, I remember wanting to do that very deeply. It just wasn't, I don't think it was my time and right. for all sorts of reasons. And now I think I know, like I, I probably would put out the album and then just be washed away in the the waters of what everyone would say, and maybe that would be the only album I would ever I would ever create. I don't know. You know, I'm just, yeah. just kind of guessing based on who I was back then, and now it's just like, no, I'm going to do this for me, and I'm going to keep putting out music because um, this isn't the last one. I feel very very strongly, and I'm already feeling excited about new creative ideas brewing and kind of leaning more into my ancestry and learning songs connected to um, kind of my Scandinavian ancestry. And I'll tell you more about that when we listen to wild North, but, okay. but yeah, I'm just that, that feels, um, yeah, that's a, it's, it feels pretty solid at this point. It's like, it doesn't matter what people say. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Okay, more from Ivy Eld in just a few moments. I uh, want to remind you that you can find the music from Ivy Eld at ivyeld.com. Coincidence. And also, don't forget to check the show notes for links to her streaming sites and uh, social media as well. Also, for a limited time in the show notes, we'll have a link to uh, her show at the Great Eagle, August 15th, 2023. So don't be trying to go there in 2024. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, wncoriginalmusic.com or wncoriginalmusic wherever you get your podcast episodes. Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with Jennifer Alvarado. Crows are larger than ravens, uh, but ravens are smaller than crows. I, I got it backwards. Anyway, we were both right. This is Nick Gonnering, and you're listening to WNC Original Music Podcast. Let's see. Tell me about a song, like what you think if you wrote the perfect song, what would that be like? Uh, what, so what would that be like as far as what would it look like? Yeah. The song, yeah. What would it feel like? What would it sound like if you were describing it without like singing it? This is the first time I'm asking this question, so it might, we might not use it. We'll <laughs> that's see. A hard, we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, the answer. Um, I should have given you that one in advance. <laughs> It's an essay question. I feel like it would depend on the perfect song. Like if you're saying for me as a, like what I was just saying about vocalization and expression, like sometimes when I'm just stepping away and using this instrument, like yeah. a perfect song would just be probably more improv expression, just letting things kind of run through me more of things that you wouldn't necessarily hear like on this album which are more crafted songs and kind of traditional, um, traditional structure and all that. Um, but I think, yeah, I, the train of thought from this last conversation is more when I think of something like perfect, just feeling perfect, Mm -hmm. that that would be just being able to express perfectly and like that coming through the voice. So more, more voice improv or just things that I would do probably stuff that is in even warm ups or when I, when I do things just as more like playing around, just like voice vocal play. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that would, but as far as a perfect song, I don't know if I'm answering the question. There's no, there's no right answers. <laughs> yeah. It really depends on context. So like, yeah. um, if, if I'm thinking of creating something that I want to share, that I want to put out there, lyrics are super important to me. I'm just a lyrics, total lyrics, like a word nerd and love um, metaphors and really helping lift people into a picture, into an experience. And so I try try to do that with, with how I write. Um, so I think that like from the perspective of someone else. So me vocalizing and just like having a lot of fun playing with my voice and it feeling really good. Like that mm-hmm. might not necessarily be someone else's experience. Um, and I think they like, it might not land for them the way it lands for me, but I think the perfect song would probably be something that lands for both that for both me as the person writing and expressing and the artist and someone receiving and listening. And of course that, it's always going to translate different for each person because you're essentially kind of my, my, one of my favorite um, songwriting coaches talks about the idea of we, we create the house mm-hmm. in like, we create the house. Our song is the house, but everybody comes in, they bring their own furniture, they move in and set things up. 
however, like it's all their context, all their experience. And so I love that idea of, um, of just letting, letting the art be what it is to each person and letting it land, even if things feel a little bit more explicit. Like when I first heard that, I kept thinking, oh man, I need to write like more like Bon Iver and my stuff is too explicit. It's too, it's, it's too like singer songwriter ish. Um, and it needs to be more vague and more yeah, cryptic and so on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but now I really believe that even if you're sharing a story that's pretty explicit, that it's pretty like, this is my experience. I think, I think people still are putting their own furniture in your, in the room. They're still, right their experience and saying oh I get that or I resonate with that or I'm curious about this or like that makes me think of this they're still doing that even even with a more explicit song so behind me the icy creek burst it whispers sweet nothing's in my ears Sparkling snow sizzles in the fire Nature's singing like a winter choir Velvet winds caress my face There's a quickening in my heart's pace I start to dance as the birch trees sway and moan Liberation song rising from my bones. Spirit of the
north is I, I feel like that is is really like a, a climax song on this this EP. Like it feels like it's where Magic in the Blue is kind of um, this is my life's mission. Like mm -hmm. this is who I am in the world. This is something I believe so passionately. While North is really it feels like um, there's a lot of buildup in the songs to this point of like reclaiming, re really reclaiming who I am on many levels, like reclaiming my roots was part of that, um, <clears throat> including my Norwegian and Swedish roots. I'm about 60-ish percent Norwegian, Swedish, 20-ish percent um, Scottish, Irish. And so this, this was really kind of, but all that was really lost, like as far as my family being um, my great, great grandparents were immigrants from Norway, but that was just like the language was gone by the time that I was, um, I, I came along just like so many other immigrant families, like mm -hmm. assimilation and the desire to fit in. We lost so much of our culture, um, specifically European immigrants, but then, you, you know, you have, um, just, you're talking about like indigenous folks and and African slaves, like their culture was ripped away um, in, a, in a completely traumatic, violent way. Um, and so, but I think the common thread is that we all lost connection in different ways. There's a, there's, so for me, I think it's this, just this, this reclamation for me has been a really powerful kind of coming back to my voice, coming back to my roots. Um, Ivy Elds is based on that, the, the name IVL that I chose as my artist name is based on my um, great grandmother, her Norwegian, my great, excuse me. Yeah. My great grandmother, um, Hilda Iverson. And so Iver in, in Norwegian is passion um, and Iverson, or it looks like Iverson kind of the, mm -hmm. the like what we would say here in, in the U S um, but that's how I got Ivy. And then um, Eld is uh, fire in Swedish. Oh, neat. So, so it's the Swedish word for fire. And so me choosing that name was a real like kind of invocation. And it's connected, I think, to Wild North in a lot of ways. I feel like Ivy Eld really wrote Wild North. I think that when that song came to me, that was that was another one of those like um, kind of from on high, like mm -hmm. lightning bolt. It just came. And it really was like the song says, I was it was a January. It was I remember very clearly it was a Leo full moon. It was like this big, um, beautiful full moon on a cold January day. And I wrote this beside a river, a Creek, Reams Creek in Weaverville. I was staying there for a little solitude creative retreat and had a fire outside and the snow just started to fall. And it was just so magical and so beautiful. And um, just felt this really fierce connection to, I grew up in Minnesota where there's a lot of Scandinavians like me. Okay. Um, there's not as many in Asheville. So. <laughs> So I don't know where all the Scandinavians are. Um, got a lot of friends from a lot of different backgrounds and mm -hmm. a lot of different cultures, but not a lot of not a lot of Scandinavians. And there were just tons of us in Minnesota. So, so there was a huge migration of Scandinavians um, to Minnesota back in the late 1800s. But so that song "Wild North" is about like Minnesota um, and really about my Nordic roots. Um, so that that song is, um, yeah, it was just a kind of again, that like flash of really feeling almost like my ancestors were singing through me as, as dramatic as that sounds. It really felt like that, the way it came out, <laughs> yeah. the way it came out 
just was different. I'm like, what is this? This is different. And even even the chorus, if you hear, it's um, I, it's switches into minor key, and just there's flips that I'm doing with my voice that are a little different than things that I would um, have necessarily normally done. And it just it was something I felt like I didn't think about. It just happened. But then now as I'm learning more about cooling, um, which is a a Swedish herding like it's how they herd the co- the cows home uh-huh. essentially like this ancient call and they've been doing it for hundreds of years and do one and, for us now <laughs> i am yeah i wish i could sing cool me i want i'm trying to learn that's uh-huh. that is something but it's very like um i'll send you a yona yinton uh-huh. is does beautiful cool me oh, and yeah, okay. yeah, like do you know yona yinton no 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 i was saying oh yeah i'd like to hear that Yes. But no, yeah, it's really do who that cool. is. Yeah. It's yeah, it's You really it's said beautiful. that like you thought there was a chance. So, oh, so you know Yanka Fuerta? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You seem like someone who would know about that. I'm more like if you had said, Do you know about uh Spivey's corner hog calling contest? Then I'd be like, Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. But but that song, all that to say that there's there's just something I think that that is like that song is summoning me forward into the next album. I really believe I almost didn't even put it on this album because I felt like it's not going to fit. Oh yeah. So, um, are you still recording? Am I still recording? Yes. I heard you click. So I was like, Oh, maybe I should have him click it on or maybe you were. Okay. Oh, no, I'm still recording. You made me nervous yeah. now. What happened? <laughs> um, but my, it almost didn't make it the, the album because I felt like this doesn't fit. It's a little too, Am I, it's, it's still very like a, like an indie folk rock song. Like mm-hmm. it's not, um, I don't feel like it's outside that genre for sure, but it, the vocals are leaning in a little bit more to, to that Scandinavian. Like there was, there was again, something that felt a little bit more ancient, a little bit more, um, kind of connected to where I feel like I'm going or heading and don't commit me to this because I'm an artist and who knows where, like how it will shift as I continue to play with it. But I do feel like really called to keep playing around with and getting to know those music roots, yeah. the Celtic, the, the Celtic and Nordic music roots. I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling like there's something really powerful about song um, and language and kind of reclaiming and knowing where right. we come from and right. understanding that. And I think it's really healing. So for me, it's just even like on a selfish level, just feels like it's going to be a healing journey for me to, to learn those songs mm-hmm. and I have musical ancestry on both sides. Um, and I just think that that there's going to be something about that. That's, that's powerful for me, but I'm also a real believer that we heal collectively. So anything that I'm, I'm doing personally and then sharing will hopefully be something that's healing for other people as well. So I grew up in the church and I grew up in it, as a nice, you know, as a nice Minnesota girl, like everything mm. is Minnesota nice. People are nice, which I really think they're just a lot of passive aggressive people that suppress a lot. Yeah, so, I've, I've heard Lake Wobegon. I know what it's like. <laughs> I know I've heard it. So I know exactly what everything's like up there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Everybody lives in a town of 400 people. And <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I grew up in the Twin Cities. So I grew up, I grew up in, um, much more urban experience, obviously, than Lake Wobegon. But but there there is def- definitely that. I, my grandparents um, were from small towns, and um, and you there is. I grew up Baptist, so I was a good good Baptist girl. And and this song is really there. That's been a whole journey of like deconstructing and 
um, and just kind of coming to my own spiritual beliefs. And part of that, that song is really a reclamation of these parts of me that were like, I, I couldn't show certain aspects of myself in, um, in the Baptist church, for instance, or in just kind of in the culture that I grew up, grew up in and grew up with in my family. And so this song is really, really a reclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I sang it in the studio, that was the song that I just felt the, this really strong presence of my brother being there with me. And this is going to sound weird and wild, but I'll just, this, this was my experience in the, in the studio was everything was just transformed um, in my mind. Like I was on a fjord in Norway, like singing my guts out at the microphone, mm-hmm. completely transported and, so the recording, I feel like, captures kind of captures that that wildness and the yeah, experience. I can see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think my voice opened up in a way that it never has as well. And I think like I am thankful to my vocal teacher who really was helpful in that process of freeing, like helping free my voice and just helping from a technical standpoint, my vocal cords and suffering from some laryngitis and just some things that were really. Um, more of a like a kind of a physical aspect but also whenever you work with the voice this is the thing is it absolutely is metaphorical and metaphysical and just it's a really powerful experience so Mm -hmm. my vocal coach would say what he does is like it's very (laughs) it's in the lines of therapy because you can't Mm -hmm. work with someone's voice from a singing perspective it's very vulnerable and yeah um, people speaking like speakers that come um, come to work with him just you're tapping into something like so much gets trapped in the voice. There's so many stories about our voice. There's just so much that's connected to that. So, so this song really feels like that's, um, it's a big, big aspect of this song is reclaiming, um, reclaiming these parts. And yeah. I don't want to get into too much of the voice. Cause that would be like blue Jay is, is really like all about, all about voice. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is uh, interesting that, you know, the, uh, that makes sense because the voice is like probably our main way. You tell me you're a psychologist, so I might be wrong, but I would say that the voice is yes. probably our primary way that we convey emotion. So of mm-hmm. course it's tied in with emotion, just like, you know, just like a, like your, you know, physical, um, health can be affected by your mental health and vice versa. I mean, your voice can tap into your emotion. Your emotion can tap into your voice. I would Absolutely. Think. Absolutely. And right. a lot of us. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just checking. I want to make sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, it, it's um, so many people like there's a lot, there's a lot that gets stored. Like I'll, I'll have this experience with being in session with people, with my clients. And um, a lot of times things will kind of show, show up here. So when you talk mm-hmm. about like getting choked up in yeah. and, and, phrase like that's a lot of times there's emotion that's wanting to come out but then we also have a part of us that's kind of that's saying no it's not socially appropriate or no this was not okay in my family I learned to kind of put, push, push these things down yeah. lots there's just lots going on here and so absolutely when things don't get to move through they get they can get stuck and they can get sometimes like stuck physically in our body and it just shows up in other ways um, but yeah it's I think it's it's such a important way to release. So not only is it an artistic expression, but I think it's just a way of like vocalizing, like expressing. Like you think right. of screaming or yelling or something. Like something's happening on a physiological and emotional level. Where can people find your music? You can find my music on Spotify, 
Apple, YouTube. And IVL.com. Yes. Yeah. And, and www.ivl.com. Right. What happens if you don't put the www in front of it? That's a good question. <laughs> I think. <laughs> we are in the day and age. With it's 2023. Yeah. It's not. If it was 1995, then. Uh, yes. You have, to, you have to put. Okay. You can find it at HTTP <laughs> backslash backslash colon www.ivl.angelfire.com. Yes. Yeah. I'm older than you, so I do all that stuff.
am vibrant and my voice will pierce the sky. Oh, I am passionate, savvy, and bold. I'm tenacious through winter's deep cold. You won't, you won't, you won't silence me. is really um i feel like i have like a short little handle for all these blue jay is my me too song that is the song that i wrote um during the kavanaugh hearing um and back in i guess was that 2018 i think and just walking through with a lot of clients um specifically specifically clients that identified as female, like a lot of them, it was a really, it was really a challenging and, and tough experience for, um, for a lot of folks. And obviously the Me Too movement kind of being around that time. Um, and then kind of walking through my own trauma and my own experience, just living in the world we live in, um, as a woman and just the misogyny and kind of my own, my own Me Too experiences and, um, and all of that like that song that song kind of was brewing from from all of that and um and essentially the it was also kind of mixed with this idea of not being able to or it being okay for me to express anger specifically and and there's a story behind why blue jay so blue jays my mom was not a big blue jay fan and she felt like they were the bully birds and she loved birds and, and it was all about Cardinals and even um, the way that we had our, our bird feeder set up in Minnesota was that the, the poor blue jays would get on and the thing would sink, you know, those, oh, yeah. <laughs> those, those little, the feeders that you have to, if the, if a squirrel gets on, right. there's protect it. But the blue jays were like just heavy enough that the Cardinals could get on the little chickadees and yeah. other birds. And then the poor blue jays, and I'd always feel so badly for them, but my mom would just convince me because it would sink <laughs> as, as these beautiful blue jays would hop on to the feeder. Um, but she would just explain like they're they're the bully, they're bullies, and um, and they do you know they they can be a little bit territorial, and they they have that um, that that name for a reason, kind of the bullies of the songbirds. But they're also really smart um, smart birds, intelligent protective of their young. They can actually mimic hot calls, um, in order to protect their, um, their little families. And, and I also think it's really cool that the, the male blue jay and the female blue jay are both bright, beautiful blue. Whereas all these other in nature, so many birds you think of like right. the cardinal, for instance, beautiful, bright red male cardinal, and then the brown female. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the blue jays both are beautiful just regal blues and they look so pretty against the white snow i remember that in minnesota um and so so this was kind of a reclamation of the of um well let me let me back up so so i had this in my <clears throat> excuse me i had this in my mind and 
just kept thinking like, okay, Blue Jay for some reason just keeps coming up in as I'm thinking about me too and writing this song. And, um, and then re- had this realization of like some of what I was experiencing with, with my mom, not liking the Blue Jay mm. and I love her. I adore her and she, <laughs> <laughs> nothing against my mom. You didn't it's feel like a- you had to choose between your mom and the Blue Jays. <laughs> it's just like, it's a very Minnesota nice thing. Like let's like the Cardinals cause they're pretty and they sing pretty. Right. And, and the Blue Jay is not such a great, pretty call. It's kind of a, like a more of a caw. It's not a, um, it's not necessarily attractive songbird call, but there was this moment of like, oh, there's something with this, with the Blue Jay. And I um, remember this burst of anger. I don't remember what it was about necessarily, but storming into my room and just screaming, like nobody was home mm-hmm. and just screaming at the top of my lungs, which is just not something I would normally do. Um, and had learned again to squelch and push down and suppress anger because it wasn't okay for all sorts of reasons. And just like, I went into my room, screamed, um, lots of cuss words uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then just kind of collapsed in tears and, and the window was open. It was, it was the fall when I wrote the song. Um, and heard like just this host of blue jays calling outside and just had, this is where it all kind of came to me. It was this moment of, Oh, like, I'm reclaiming like there's something really beautiful about the blue jay and there's something for me to learn from this this beautiful bird that's misunderstood in this way and um, felt like it was permission for me to even the screaming was not pretty there was, uh-huh. there's nothing, <laughs> nothing pretty about it or right. songbird about it like that's that's but what i was historically kind of just known for was being nice being like having a pretty voice um, being a kind person and none of those are necessarily inherently bad things, but not at the expense of me being able to show these other parts of myself. So mm. Blue Jay is really about me being able to, to just show up in my fullness, including the Blue Jay aspects. And um, it's also, it feels kind of like it's my social justice song too, because I think it started off as a me too song, but I really think it's just transferable to any way that we're showing up and using our voice in the world. And um, using our voice to speak out for um, for those that are more marginalized. And um, so, yeah, that's Blue Jay. That's interesting. It's kind of like a, um, mm, not answer, um, parallel song to the song Blackbird by the Beatles, which is also a social justice song. Yes. Hmm, yeah, is- that's a beautiful comparison. I had yeah. never, never made that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I've loved that song. That's yeah. just um, one of my favorite Beatles songs. And I will always remember Sarah McLaughlin's version of that too. I kind of grew up oh, yeah. when she came out with that, um, her lovely cover of that. And she was a, one of those influential artists for me as well, growing up in high school. Have you ever heard her cover of, uh, I think it's called Song on a Winter's Night, something like that? Mm-mm. No. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name who did it. He's famous, but uh, that's a great song. Yeah. It's her cover of that song. Yeah. I think it's called song song from a winter's night or song on a winter's night or something like that. You just have to send me all these. Right. Right. I think it's her. And then uh, there's a lot of beautiful harmonies. I think the Indigo girls maybe are doing the harmonies. Oh. I might be okay. wrong about that. Don't quote me. I'm gonna cut this out anyway. Anything I'm recommending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As a psychologist, uh, I was going to, 
Uh-huh. You keep seeing psychologists, but I'm an actually an LCSW. Oh, okay. I'm lower. Lower like, la- lady counselor. LCSD. Lady counselor. Severe. Boy, I know. <laughs> licensed certified social worker. Light, right? Licensed certified. Licensed clinical. Clinical. Yeah, clinical. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So. So I'm going to start over. Uh, as a counselor, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. You tell me what they're signs of. And this is not official, so you can you give me your, just your real opinion. Yeah, we do like armchair diagnoses. Right, right. Um, so I have a thing where I don't like to wear cl- the clothes into a store that I bought them from. Um, so I'll go if I'm wearing like Old Navy, I will okay. not shop at Old Navy. It doesn't matter what kind of sale they have in the window. I'm not going to go into Old Navy wearing Old Navy clothes. Is that anything? I don't think that's diagnosable, but that's very interesting. Okay. <laughs> my brother, my older brother, doesn't just like to pull, he doesn't like to pull through and he doesn't like to buy back into parking spaces, which is fine. But it really upsets him to see other people do it. Is that is that anything? Wait, he, he will back into a parking space? No, he will not. Oh, don't even... Well, Right. That's offensive to, that you would even suggest it to him. Uh, he will not back into a parking space or pull through a parking space. And and that's fine if that's his own personal presence. But if he sees other people do it, it really upsets oh, him. Oh, he can't yeah. do it and no one else can. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And if you're in the car, if you're driving, he will get upset about that. Yeah. Um, I mean... My my first gut instinct is just to act, like get curious with him, like what is that about? Mm-hmm. That's there isn't a specific diagnosis, of course. But, well, there should but be. I'm curious, like what's going on for you, buddy? Mm, when yeah. that happens, that's like you know that sounds like he's nine. Like I'm saying, like buddy, but <laughs> Hoss, I call him Hoss. <laughs> that's my. What's going on yeah. with you, partner? <laughs> hey, chief. <laughs> there he he's is. All- year old yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah I'm curious what what happens to him what yeah. is what is, is his experience in his body when that happens and he watches someone else go yeah. through a body. i don't know something about so, it. there's there's something yeah all right that's all the diagnosis i had for you i was going to think of some more but i, I didn't want to uh, uh, put too much family laundry out there you know yeah <laughs> Okay, big thanks again to IVL for being on the podcast. Uh, Don't forget to find her music at IVL.com. Also, check the show notes for links to her music and her upcoming show. I'd like to pre-apologize to my brother, Rennie, if uh, telling everybody his secret um, anger at pull-through parking, if that causes him any trouble in life. I, I apologize for that. He's a multi, uh, multi-year multi teacher of the year, so you know, he's going to be okay. One more time, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music. Uh, subscribe in, in really in whatever way that you feel comfortable. I want you to feel comfortable in the way that you subscribe to the podcast, as long as you subscribe to the podcast. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, I want you to be very uncomfortable. That's just how I am. Very vindictive. The closing song this week comes from Counter, which is a Western North Carolina band. So uh, not outside the area like usual for our closing songs. But that's just how much I like this song. I made an exception because uh, that's just how I do. 
Counter is a kind of a heavy metal, pop punk, uh, standard rock band. Not standard, exceptional rock band from Western North Carolina. You can find them online at counter.rocks. And they have a new song called The Darkness out now. And you're going to hear it right now. Here is Counter. Have a good week. C, original music.